You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Psalm 47, look at it with your own eyes. We're going to read the whole psalm because it's about God. And uh, this Sunday School topic today and the rest of this month, we've been talking about God. And so Psalm 47 says this, Clap your hands, all you nations. Thank you. (laughs) Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He has subdued nations under us, peoples under his feet. He chose our inheritance for us. Do you see that part? He chose our inheritance for us. The pride of Jacob, whom he loved. And then it says Selah, which means think about that. And then verse 5 says... God has ascended amid the, amidst the shouts of joy. The Lord amid, amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God, and He is greatly exalted. Amen? That's a good word. Let's pray to Him. Father, we do right now, we worship You, Most High God, the King of the nations. God, we thank you that you are alive and well. And here at the Mill Sunday School, we're going to study you this morning. So enlighten us, God. Open our hearts. Open our spirits to you to learn directly from you. God, spiritually teach us this morning about how you are sovereign and about how you give us free choice on this earth. And so we praise you and we thank you. And everybody screamed, Amen. <laughs> well, uh... I am, if you, if you haven't been to Mill Sunday School in a while, uh, I haven't either. I've been in Africa with the Mill for two weeks, and then I was back from Africa with my jet lag for like 23-ish hours, and then I went to L.A. Um, I'm working on my doctorate out there to, uh, to study theology. I just really like school. I like studying. I like the Mill Sunday School. I've really missed, out of all the things that I've really missed, I think Sunday School would be like up in that top list of things that I really missed while I was gone. And I really like studying. Anybody else like the study of Scripture and kind of being a nerd? It's okay. It's a, it's a safe place in here. Um, I remember the first time, I just want to tell you a quick story that doesn't really relate to what we're talking about today, but it's just an encouraging word that I thought of, um, that the first time I really began to study the Bible, study the Word, was when I became a Christian in high school. I made a decision to follow Christ um, as a sophomore. And then as a junior, I really connected with my youth pastor, and he saw something in me, and he invited me to be a part of this little uh, men's Bible study. So there's just like four or five of us, I think five of us total, in this little Bible study. And he, I was just so interested in the fact that I could ask him questions. I'd be like, uh, his name was Paul. I said, Paul, the youth pastor, how how can God, like, how can Jesus' blood save us? And he'd like, Give me either give me an answer or show me in Scripture where the answer was. And I was like, wow, how did you know that? How did you know that, how to get the answer? It's like, well, how, how is God all-powerful? And he'd kind of answer that question or show me something in Scripture. And I just had all these questions for him. And I don't know if he got sick of me just like having all these questions, but he, he wanted to, to show me that, that I could also study the Bible and, and find answers. And so I had this one particular question that I said, what about women in ministry? 
<laughs> and he was like, that's a good question. I'm going to let you research that. And, and so he did. And, and so because I had friends that were telling me different things. I had one friend that was saying, yeah, it says in the Bible that women can't, can't be in a minister at all. And then there's other passages. I had another friend that was like, no, there's women that are, that are ministers. I mean, look at these examples. And so I, I asked my youth pastor that question. He said, why don't you research it? And he gave me some tools. He gave me a concordance. You know what that is? It's a book that, that has, like, so you can look up w- the word woman, and you can see every single time in the Bible the word woman or woman is in there. And it's like hundreds of times. So I looked up every single one of them um, throughout this week. I was just fascinated with this book. And then I had something called a commentary. Do you know what that is? It's a book of comments about the Bible. And so it's, but it's not just an author, like, saying, oh, here's what I think, here's what I think, blah, blah, blah. I'm so cool, here's what I think. It's usually someone saying, here's the historical context of this passage and writing a book that goes verse by verse. And so I did this. This whole week, I studied about women in ministry, and I, and I, and I got to present at the next Bible study about women in just this random topic that I, that I thought of. And I, I, I said, well, here's some passages where Paul kind of gives directives about women to not, to, to not teach. But then here's some passages where the same author, Paul, says that Phoebe is a, is a deacon and that Priscilla and Aquila, that, that you should greet them in the Lord because they're the leaders of this household church. What's the deal with that? And so I got to present this whole idea that, that there's context behind the Bible and that maybe there's a different context in when Paul was talking about women in ministry as because there's definitely biblical precedent for women in ministry. Right, ladies? Yeah. And so, um, and so uh, just a random topic. But I got to present that. And I remember for the first time um, thinking, wow, I know how to find answers in the Scripture. And if I could point to, like, there's a lot of things that led me to be where I am now as a, as a mill pastor and right here teaching Sunday school. But if I could say there, just, there was, like, one very formative, very early on experience, it might have been that experience of, of falling in love with studying Scripture. And, that, and that's the, the same love that I have is, is why I get to teach the Mill Sunday School. That's why you're in here, to study Scripture, to study theology, and it's a really good thing. And uh, there's, there's, there's studies all the time that come out with, um, like, denominations and how biblically literate certain denominations are, meaning how, how much a cer- people from a certain denomination know about the Bible. And usually, almost always scoring way ahead of all the other denominations is usually like the Baptist church. Because they uh, usually have an adult Sunday school, and so people come to church and either before or after go to Sunday school and learn about the Bible. Um, and we as charismatics uh, usually score lower, but usually much lower, because we usually just go to church and it's a celebration service. And, all, and it's great. You know, we are known for our powerful worship and singing along and uh, worshiping God and raising hands, and that's kind of what we're known for, and that's great. But the Mill Sunday School is how we, as charismatics, as Christians, can learn about the Word and become Bible literate. Isn't that exciting? Woo! So we're becoming Bible literate. Um, that doesn't have too much to do with uh, what we're specifically talking about today, but um, as far as announcements go, I have two announcements for you. One is if you're newish around here, uh, there's some first-timer cards out on the table. If you grab one of these and fill it out, uh, we will give you in exchange a CD that has some songs and a little welcome on it. It's just our way of saying thanks for coming. And by the way, it's the same card as you may have gotten at the mill on a Friday night. So if you're newish around here, this card's for you. Um, our other announcement is this Friday. 
There will be no mill. Everybody say, oh. But wait, there's a good reason. It's the 4th of July. And so uh, there'll be fireworks going off. And, and we've put these on your, on, your, uh, on your tables. You could pick one of these small groups. And there's even there's some people here that are part of some of these groups. And you could just, we really, even if you don't know this group, even if you don't know the people, take a step and, and, and call one of these groups up and say, hey, is your group going to be cool? Are you going to see the fireworks? And they'll be like, yeah, our group's cool. Yeah, we're going to see the fireworks. Can I join you? And, and they'll say, yeah, here's where to meet. Here's what to bring if you want. And, uh, and you could go to one of these small groups. Sound good? So, so get together with other Millers on Friday, uh, the 4th of July. Um, Let's get started, shall we? Let's get into the Word of God. This, this month we have been studying uh, God. I realize how, how kind of silly that is that we're just, yeah, this month we're studying God. Next month we're going to study Exodus. And you're like, wait, you're studying God? <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're studying specifically today God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign and that he is in all control, all powerful, and yet he still gives us free choice. And so on the back of your your skillet, what I call it, there is a statement that says, God predestined, so this is the back, back, um, sweet quote of the day. I, I think I, I don't know that it's a, really a quote, but uh, I guess it is. It's mine, I guess. God predestines us in his sovereignty, but allows us to choose with our responsibility. Ooh, that kind of rhymes. God predestines us in his sovereignty, but allows us to choose with our responsibility. I guess it doesn't. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> it kind of it kind of does. Um, this is the statement that we're going to look at today, that God is sovereign and that God also gives us free choice. How can these two things be true? How can God kind of be all in control and predestine us for such things? He knows what we're going to choose. He knows where we're going to be. He guides us. He kind of gives us fate. And yet at the same time, we still have choice, right? Think about being here in the Mill Sunday School. You got up this morning. You chose to get out of your nice, comfy bed and to be here. But at the same time, I could seriously look at every single one of you and say, God has predestined us to be here in this moment right now to learn about him. So what is it? Were you predestined to be here or you, did you choose to be here? Yes. <laughs> kind of both. There's this scene in this movie. Has anybody ever seen The Matrix? I just re- I, it's a good movie. Uh, it came out almost 10 years ago. Can you believe that? It seems just like a couple of years. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that in the theater. It's like, yeah, it's, a, it's about 10 years ago this came out. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, don't, don't be fooled. It's not like a Christian movie. It's kind of there's like shooting up and uh, swearing and uh, violence and stuff like that. It's not, it's not a really a wholesome movie to see. But there are t- there are, it's, it's really a movie about, um, about Neo, this character that's going to save the real world. And we uh, live in the Matrix, which is a fake world. He's going to save the real world. And it's about him either being the one that's going to be the savior or not being the one. And there's this scene where Neo meets the Oracle. And so the scene is really built up because the Oracle is like this godlike character that knows everything. And she's going to tell Neo whether or not he's the one. And so they go up to this apartment and open the door. And you're kind of expecting this lady with like a crystal ball. And she's like, she's talking all echoey. And there's what, blah, 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 blah. Um, but really what you get if you've seen the movie is just this big, nice black lady that's baking cookies in a kitchen. And it's, it's a really cool scene. And the scene is, Neo comes in and the, the oracle says, I would offer you a seat, but you wouldn't take it, right? Because 
because she knows everything. And then she says, and don't worry about the vase. And then Neo's like, what vase? And he kind of turns around to see what vase. And as he's turning around, his elbow hits at the flowers. The vase crashes on the floor. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I broke your vase. I'm sorry. And she says, I, I said, don't worry about it. And then he said, how did you know that I was going to break the vase? And she says, what's going to really make you think later? Her phrasing is, is what's really going to bake your noodle later on <laughs> is, would you have broken it if I didn't say anything? And it's this scene that, that it, it portrays this idea that he was destined to break the vase because she knew he was going to break it. Yet at the same time, if she didn't say anything, would he have turned around and broke it? Maybe not. It's this weird, it's a really cool scene, in my opinion, of, of both free will and predestination. That she knew she, he was going to break it. Yet at the same time, if, he, if she didn't say anything, would he not have turned around and broke it? So here's the problem. If you're taking notes, this is the problem. Uh, it's a statement if you want to write it down. If God rules his universe by his sovereign decrees, I'll, I'll say it again in case you want to write it down. If God rules his universe by his sovereign decrees, comma, how is it possible for humans to exercise their free choice? I'll say it again. If God rules his universe by his sovereign decrees, God rules his universe by his sovereign decrees. How is it possible? How is it possible for humans to exercise their free choice? If he rules his universe by his sovereign decrees, how is it possible for humans to exercise their free choice? That is the problem. That's the kind of what we're going to look at today. If God is sovereign, God is sovereign, right? Yes. Uh, and yet we still have free choice, right? We could do whatever we want, right? I mean, if we could just get up right now, start screaming or something if we wanted to, right? <laughs> There's no ushers in here. We could probably just let it happen. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. Anyways, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. It would be awkward for everyone. Um, sovereignty, if you're taking notes again, sovereignty, so this was probably still under the problem. Uh, sovereignty is really a government term, meaning have, contr have, contr have, contr have control over an area, a uh, governance, a people, or oneself. Sovereignty is a governmental kind of word. And God definitely has the right to be in control. He created us, right? And so he does have the right to govern us and, and be in all control. And uh, the opposite, kind of the opposite of that, or the other side of that, is free will and human responsibility. That he has given us uh, choices. He's given us responsibility to choose what is good or what is bad. And so each and every single one of us this morning chose to come here to the Mill Sunday School, and we could talk about that choice and maybe how hard it was for us to get out of bed or how easy it was. Some of us are like, man, I've been up since 6. I talked to a few of you there. It's like, what? That's sick. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but you chose to do that, and you chose to come here. And and at the same time, it's been, it's been sovereignly uh, predestined that you would be here right now with us. Isn't that kind of cool? I think it's pretty cool. And so I want to show you, um, I want to actually show you a clip now of the, do you see the Matrix screen going on? Um, for, the, for those of you that haven't seen this movie, I don't, where have you been the last 10 years? 
Um, but you can't, you have my permission to go see it, even though there's just shooting up and uh, violence and, and uh, just fast forward those crazy parts. Um, but I'm going to show you a scene specifically in this movie that uh, I just don't want to show you a clip of the movie, just to show you a clip of the movie. But it's a clip where Neo finally gets to meet Morpheus towards the middle beginning of the movie. Morpheus, this character that um, has been leading Neo to be the one and to choose to be the one. What's so fascinating is that in hindsight, Morpheus, the big black dude you'll see in a minute, believes that Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, is the one. And yet Morpheus is going to hold out a choice and say, will you choose to see the, the real world and to become the one? But Morpheus already believes that he will. And so it's fascinating. So as you view this clip, um, be thinking about fate. Morpheus asks Neo this question, do you believe in fate? You'll have to see the clip to see what he says. But think about that question in your own self. Do I believe in fate? And we'll discuss that in just a second. Are you ready to roll it? I was talking to the tech guy. <laughs> <Just kidding>. Let me give you one piece of advice. Be honest. He knows more than you can imagine. <laughs> At last. Welcome, Neil. As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus. It's an honor to meet you. No. The honor is mine. Please, come, sit. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. 
It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Follow me. It's good. Piece of advice, though, don't take pills from people you really don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, there's the question. Did you see him ask the question? He says, uh, do you believe in fate? No, dude. Um, I said, have you ever seen, uh, it was a really long time ago, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? That's like, I can never get Keanu Reeves out of that role in my head. Just like, dude, dude. Anyways, um, I know Kung Fu, dude. Uh, anyways, uh, he says, do you believe in fate? He says, no. And why not? Well, I don't. I don't like the way, I don't, what does he say? I don't, I don't like the idea that I'm not in control. So it's kind of a feeling. Hopefully, I mean, I don't want to just discredit feelings, but hopefully there's something more as to, as to whether you either, yes, do believe in fate or no, don't believe in fate. But would you take a second and just uh, chit chat amongst yourself? You can move to other tables too, if you want. Um, and just ask each other, do you believe in fate? Why or why not? And it's, you have to be really quick about it, obviously, because uh, th- this conversation could last the rest of the, you know, our whole time. But so just kind of a basic ideas. Ready? Get set. Matrix theme theme music for you.
Is it, is it possible to wrap up in like 30 seconds? Probably not, huh? Just kidding. Um, uh, let's talk about it for just a second. Uh, in in big group, um, is someone in front of everyone in here? Uh, we'll take two different sides: the yes, I do believe in fate, or no, I do not believe in fate. Does someone want to say yes, I believe in fate, and disagree with Neo? Do you want to? Would you mind standing up so everyone can hear you? Okay, good. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Did you hear her? She said, uh, yes, I do believe in fate because I like the idea that God is in all control. And so you could, you could, it's not just a feeling. We could point to the Bible and say, God is in all control. That's comforting, right? That we, that we as humans make mistakes and, uh, you know, our mistakes kind of lead to one another. And sometimes that could lead us down dark paths. Um, but God is in all control. Things are lined up. He is sovereign. All right, someone from the other side, someone that agrees with Neo. Anybody? Veronica. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. That's good. mean that he I see I see that's good I like that so basically she said um, that God knows what we're going to choose he knew that we'd be here in the Mill Sunday School but he didn't like make us like we're robots right um, I see I see other hands this is a great conversation let, let's define first sovereignty oh, we just defined it let, let me show you a verse and I'll give you a second to turn there Ephesians chapter 1 um, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the time to try. I always just think it's important to look at it and see it in the scripture and know where it is. And that's why I think it's cool to bring your own Bible to Sunday school or to keep one of the ones on your page. And uh, I really think the Bible is meant to... to my, if you look at my Bible sometime, you'll see that it's all written up. And I think that the words on the page are just words on a page. They, they become life to us when we know them and study them. So I would encourage you to write all over your Bible. Is that, did you need that permission to... The, this is a holy book because the ideas coming inside of us are made holy. And so if highlighting and underlining helps you, I think that those things make it more holy. So uh, 
if you have like a really nice Bible that grandma gave you, um, to buy another Bible that's like, or take one of these and write all over it because it's holy when it enters us. But Ephesians chapter 1, uh, excuse me, yeah, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 3 says this. It says, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, For he chose us. Do you see that? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. It's a long time ago. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And so there it is. You see it. You see the words cho- chosen, predestined. That's very fate-ish. Um, so we're talking about sovereignty. If you're writing down notes, we're in predestination sovereignty. Um, let me show you one more verse. Flip to the f- a little a few pages to the front of the Bible is the book of Romans, chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, uh, specifically verse twenty-eight. Pretty famous verses. Uh, Romans eight twenty-eight is where we're at. So you could see it. I'll, g- I'll give you another second to turn there. Romans eight twenty-eight. Um, the book of Romans is just full of amazing. If you've if you've usually they say if you've never read read a book of the Bible, the book of John is the first place to start. And then a lot of people say the book of Romans should be top two on that list just because it's so clear in what we believe as Christians. Romans eight twenty-eight says this: For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called. We, he's called us according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he foreknew, he also predestined, that's very fate-ish, right? He predestined us to be conformed to his likeness in his son, that, we, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, he, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Do you see it? Those are verses very much about God being in all control. So it's like God is... Uh, does anybody play video games, specifically SimCity? Anybody? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I just like that. Um, it's this game where you can make your own characters, and then you can make kind of your own house and your own little world. And uh, it's, it's kind of a fascinating game because you are kind of like playing God in this video game. And it's like God is, you know, you're, I mean, it's kind of weird to think about. You're God creating your own little people, own little world. And so in some ways God is like that. But then it's like, oh, wait. God's not just playing a video game that somebody else made. God made the video game. And so he, he makes the rules of the video game. And then it's like, well, this analogy isn't that good of one anyways. Because God, the program plays on a computer or whatever. And so it's like, well, the, the program has to follow the rules of the computer. It's like, no, God created the computer itself. So here God is, creator of everything. Not just playing us out like a video game, but guiding us, leading us, predestining us, uh, giving us giving us direction and that's that's really it is like what what she said very comforting to know that god is in all control and um and so it's 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 as if nothing surprises god i want to bring up something that might i don't do it to dredge up feelings of um just sad feelings but a lot of you were here a few years ago when our former senior pastor ted haggard was accused of, of sins. And I remember the day of just kind of laughing off his accusations and thinking, oh, it's so outlandish, it's so wild that, that our, our pastor, someone whom we would trust, would, would fall into such a deep sin. But it was actually in this room, this is 107, the World Prayer Center, that that night there was a meeting for pastors and elders. 
And I remember sitting like back over there, kind of by where the coffee is right now, and in this room, and some of the overseers came in and, and gave us the news. And I was sitting back there just thinking that, you know, they're going to come in and, and just say, yeah, it's, it's not true. We need to fight this thing. But instead, the overseers came in and said, your, your pastor, Ted, he's, he's been living a, a, a two lives. He's, he's fallen into sin, and he's, he's regretful, and he's, he's admitted to, to some of the sins of his accuser that some of those things are true. And that just hit. I was sitting right back there with Aaron Stern and Glenn Packiam and uh, Brent Parsley was back there. Some of the younger pastors, we were kind of just congregating over there. And we just froze, and, and, and I just started, I started crying. I didn't know what else to, I mean, all this, you know, as my pastor, that this, you know, just the feelings of, wow, really? Like, he's, he's, he's been living two lives, and this man that I've trusted and looked up to, and, and then I looked over, and I saw Aaron crying as well, and, the, you know, just crying already, and then seeing, you know, Aaron, whom I look up to, crying as well, and, and then I looked over, and Glenn was crying, and we, it was, it was we just started weeping like almost uncontrollably especially us right over there as, as some of the younger pastors and someone made note of that 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 we as he is the overseers that we as older pastors need to look out for these younger guys and i remember a, a guy w- walking to the back to to see us and he's one of the trustees this really old guy maybe in his 70s big old cowboy hat on <laughs> just came back and he said sonny god is on his throne he just looked at me said, God is on his throne. And he, then he looked at Aaron and said, Sonny, God is on his throne. And he did the same thing to Glenn. And it just, he's just walking around saying, just treating us with love. Sonny, God is still on his throne, meaning that this doesn't surprise God. God is, is in all control, and he knows all. And it was, even in the sadness of that moment, it was just so comforting to see an old man that has lived out his life just grab me and look at me and say, Sonny, God is on His throne, and it was—it was just—it was, just was a really powerful moment in the in the sadness of what happened, and to—and there was—it was a word that I believe God spoke through this old man with a cowboy hat on that that I thought of throughout the months of of thinking about you know the devastation that 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 what the sins of of what that led to in the church and, and that God is on His throne. And we can say that God, that didn't surprise God. But the, the other side is, did God predestine that sin to happen? And I think we'd be wrong if we said that God, that God makes us sin, that God leads us, leads us into sin and then makes us choose it. I don't, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Um, so there's something else. There's also this free will, this human responsibility. Can you turn all the way back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy? This is a, one of the last verses I'll show you today. It's, in Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, chapter thirty. It's gonna God is gonna bring choices before the people, and let them choose. It's another pretty famous famous passage. It's Deuteronomy thirty <coughs> nineteen. It's already marked in my Bible. I must have read it before and liked it. Marked it up. Um, Deuteronomy thirty nineteen says this. I'll give you another second. Deuteronomy 30, 19, right at the beginning of the Bible. Um, it's, it's about Moses. Or, and, uh, and by the way, next month we're going to be studying Moses. And so next week, even though there's no mill, we will be right here. The Mill Sunday School will continue on, so you can look forward to that. We'll be talking about the Exodus and Moses. Um, it says this in Deuteronomy 30, 19. 
This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. So here's God setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose. Everybody say choose. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. A lot of choosing, a lot of responsibility. Listen to the Lord. Hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in land that he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, it's, and so this passage is in very much relation to the, uh, about giving the land, the, cho- the promised land, Israel, to the, to the descendants. And God's saying, choose, choose, choose something here. We are not, uh, we are not robots. We are not automatons, um, people that, that don't have any choice, that... Uh, um, as we, like when I was in high school, I was kind of into computer programming, and there was this language, computer programming language called C++. Any, anybody nerds? The nerds are like around with, right with you. Um, <laughs> and the first program you learn is a program that, that uh, you type it out. It's a program, and you hit enter, and on the screen it says, Hello World. There's some true tech nerds in here. The program says, Hello World. And so you hit enter, and you're like, oh, hello world. Look, Mom, enter. Hello world. And, uh, and it's a creation that you make, and it's on a, this robot computer, obviously, computer. And so you hit enter, and it's a like, hello world, and it's just kind of amusing for like five minutes. Um, you're like, man, I made this. I created this program that when I hit enter, the screen says, hello world. <laughs> and, and God created us. And if we're just robots, then isn't that just the same kind of amusement that God you know, makes us do something, that God walks us out, and he's just amused by us, by God making us do something. Stand up, go to Sunday school, and you're just like, rah, 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 my Sunday school, da, 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 da. Uh, that's, not, that's, just, that's not the way I see the God of the Bible. He gives us choice. He gives us, I think, the ability to, to choose him or to not choose him brings about a lot of um, it brings about a lot of love, that love is in existence because we could either choose to love God or we can choose to not love God. And so how do we, um, the very last thing we're going to look at today, um, how can both be true on your notes? How can both free will, human responsibility, and predestined sovereignty, fate, how can those both ideas be true? And it's, um, do you remember this analogy? It was, it was almost a month ago now, the analogy of... Uh, uh, talked about how can a circle and a square both be, how can a circle be a square and how can a square be a circle? If you weren't here, you're just like, what? <laughs> uh, they can't. A circle can't be a square and a square can't be a circle in this 2D world. 2D meaning there's there's height and there's and there's a cross. What's that, width? Yeah. Um, they can't be. But if there's the X, so there's an X and Y axis. If there's a, a Z axis giving it a third dimension, then you could say that something like this marker, if you looked at it just from the side in a 2D world, what would you see? You'd see the circle. And if you turned it on its side and you looked at it and all you saw was the marker, what you'd see is uh, a square with like a little nub on it, I guess. But... Uh, <laughs> So you could say that this, how can the square be the circle? How can the circle be the square? Well, it could be that way if there's another dimension. And I think God operates, you know, God is infinite. He is not limited to our dimensions. He created our world, right? Yes. And so he, since he is not limited, um, he can, you know, how can, is God sovereign? 
Or is he, does he give us free will? And I think you can just look at it and say, yes, both. Both are true. That, that, that there's more dimensions in this world. Um, it's kind of like this. Are you ready for another analogy? <clears throat> what I'm about to do may be a little inappropriate. You're like, you got my attention now. <laughs> it's ridiculous, actually. Are you ready? This shirt. Now there's got microphones hanging out everywhere. This shirt. It, it says Calvinism. That's like the big word for uh, uh, kind of predestination. This shirt chose me, right? Do you know what's on the back? You do. Arminianism. I chose this shirt. And so, <laughs> it's kind of a ridiculous thing, but it's, it's funny to, to say, where do you stand? Calvinism, Arminianism, and if you don't know those big words, that's totally okay. But where do you, where do you, where do you stand? Does, are you part of God chose us, or did you, do we choose God? And I like to say, well, I stand right in the middle between these two things. That here's where I am. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I gotta put my shirt back on. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyways, um, there there's practical applications to to how we choose what we choose and how God um, how God acts. I think of uh, just ch- sometimes churches as as a whole lean to one side or another, and uh, someone could accuse the Baptist Church, our friends at the Baptist Church, for being more predestinarian and and they might say um they might falsely accuse that the baptist church of being the frozen chosen have you heard that term it's it's a term that's silly and just you know our brothers don't and sisters in the baptist church don't need to get (laughs) hear that but uh the frozen chosen meaning that they very much so believe in predestination so much so that maybe maybe they're they, they say, oh, what, well, whatever I do doesn't really matter. I don't need to do this or that because God already ordains. God is already fated. God has already um, predestined those who will love him and those who won't. And so I don't, I don't really need to go out of the church. I just need to do my own thing because God has everything in his hands. And that's not really, I've never heard a Baptist say that, but sometimes they're accused of that. And on the other side, there's churches that are very much into uh, Arminianism, free choice, uh, very uh, like John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. Sometimes the Methodists are accused of of being scared about human choice. And um, I remember someone telling me that uh, they were kind of a Methodist. I think they were pretty extreme in, in this direction. But they said that every time you sin, every time you choose to sin, you lose your salvation. And that's a very that's a very scary place to be, don't you think? That if you, if you choose to do this one day, choose to do that, if you choose to sin, then you've just lost your whole salvation. Not that just God is unhappy with you because of the choice you made, but you have lost your whole salvation. And that's pretty extreme too, don't you think? Because are we saved by, by doing good or bad? No, we're saved by our love in Jesus Christ. And so we, we all continue to sin, I think, you know, unless somebody in here is perfect, that's cool. Um, but I mean, that, that we're... Anyways, um, when, we, when we choose, I mean, we make a mistake, 
I don't think that we lose salvation. At the same time, I don't think God predestines us to sin, on the other hand. And so there's, there's definitely a mix of, of the two things, sovereignty and free will. And I have an analogy that may be helpful. Like all analogies, you know, like there's an analogy that says, you know, God is like a rock. He's our foundation, right? Have you heard that before? God is like a rock. And then you say, okay, God's like a rock. But then you think about that and you're like, wait a minute. God's not a rock, <laughs> right? And so at some point, analogies do fall short. And so here's an analogy about the free will uh, versus sovereignty. Um, imagine yourself on a cruise. That's yeah, nice. <laughs> You're going, there's a cruise that goes from uh, L.A. all the way to um, the islands in Hawaii. It's a very long cruise, obviously, a couple, like a week and a half long to get there. And uh, leaves from L.A., goes to Hawaii, and once that once you're on that cruise, you can't just go to the captain and be like, hey, uh, I forgot my wallet. Can, can we turn around real quick and go back? And the, the captain may just laugh at you like he should, or he'd be nice and say, you know, there's, there's 400 people on this boat. I know you've lost your wallet, but, you know, we could make some satellite phone calls, but we can't change our direction. Everyone on the ship, all 400 people or more, are, are headed, headed to Hawaii. The course has been set. The boat is going this way. And, uh, or you could be like, you know, go to the captain and say, hey, could we go somewhere else real quick? I've always wanted to go to the Easter Islands and see those funny little heads out of the rocks. And the captain would just look at you like, no, the course has been set. We're going to Hawaii. You've paid for this journey. You're on the ship. We're going to Hawaii, right? And so I see that throughout. I see that idea throughout the Bible. Like in the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at Exodus next month and how the Israelites were chosen and destined to go into the land of Israel. And yet at the same time, they had a bunch of random either good or bad choices while they were headed there, just like on the cruise ship. You can choose to spend time with this person or that person. You could choose time um, to, to do something that you could make poor decisions. You could sin as much as you want on these cruise ships. Uh, or you could make good decisions on the cruise ship. You could, you could do this or you could do that. Yet the whole time, God is still um, you know, sovereignly moving this ship into its port of harbor. It's going that way. And yet at the same time, you still have decision and choice to make while you're going there. Do you kind of like that analogy? I don't know if I do. I, I, I mean, I do. I, that's why I shared it. But I, <laughs> I, I definitely see some flaws to it. But it was helpful to me. And so I, I shared it to be helpful to you, hopefully, as well. So here's, here's a thought that, that if you want to write this down, um, I, just, I think the thought is kind of interesting and cool. It's not my own, but it says this. It says, to be sovereign in your theology, but responsible in your practice. Be sovereign in your theology. Know that God is over all things. Know that he has predestined us to, to the knowledge and to the, his will. But at the same time, be responsible in your practice. Be sovereign in theology, but responsible in your practice. And then this one, it's a very similar one. Be sovereign about the future. Be sovereign when it comes to the future. Be sovereign about the, the, the future, but be responsible in the choices you make now. Be sovereign in the future. Know that God is in, all, all in, in charge, but be responsible for your choices in the now. I think that's comforting. You know, we're in the summertime and a lot, a lot of people are in transitions, either graduating or moving here or moving away from here, um, so on and so forth. Getting a new job is pretty common over the summer season. And, and know that God is sovereign, that he has your footsteps directed, that 
You know, if you ever talk to some old people like your grandmas and grandpas that are Christians, that have been Christians for a really long time, they'll tell you God has God is on his throne. They'll tell you God has directed their footsteps. And as they look back, they see the hand of God throughout their life, and they know that he is sovereign. And yet they might encourage you, you know, but be but know that you're responsible for the choices you make. Know that you can choose the will of God, you know, now for your life, that you can choose to, to, to sin or to not to sin. You could choose to make good decisions or poor decisions right now, but know that God is still sovereign, that he has your footsteps planned out for you. Um, it's kind of like this. There's a parable. If you want to turn there and just kind of glance at it, I'm not necessarily going to read it, but it's in Matthew 22. It's the parable about... Um, you may have heard this parable before. It's the parable of the wedding banquet, that that this person plans a wedding banquet, and at the wedding banquet, it's a pretty long parable. The kingdom of God, it says, is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his sons. Sons getting married, the king prepares a wedding banquet for them. And, and you know, back in the days when there's no refrigerators, when Jesus was telling this parable, the parable made a lot of sense, you know, that, that all this food has been prepared. And if no one eats it, what's going to happen to it? It's trash. It's spoiled. There's no fridges or freezers. Um, and so all this stuff, this whole party has been planned out. A king, you know, has planned this party. Talk about a sweet party, right? Anybody want to go to like a king's party? That'd be pretty sweet. Um, this party, this banquet has been prepared, and yet tons of people don't want to show up. They're like, yeah, I got better things to do. They all have their excuses. And then he says, tell the servants to just go out into the streets and invite as many people as you can and get them to come to this party. And so here this king is with all riches and, you know, and, and power over this country preparing an awesome banquet and people don't want to show up. Jesus uses this parable to say the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a, a king, a sovereign, all-powerful king in this area making the sweetest party available. And some people don't, a lot of people, don't want to show up. And um, have, you, have you ever planned a party that, that people didn't come to? <laughs> It's kind of a sad thing. Have you ever, I've done it before. It's, it's not fun. Um, I was in Florida. Uh, uh, I spent the summer in Florida a couple years ago. The whole summer, it was like three months. And at the end of my time, I wanted to kind of throw a party um, and for all the people that I had met. And it was going to be a sweet party. Me and my friend were planning this party. We were talking about it. We're like, yeah, dude, we'll have like 50 people there. And, and so we, we made invitations. We called people. People were like, oh, yeah, dude, I'll be there. Um, and it was, so we went to Walmart and a few other stores, got a bunch of party supplies, got a bunch of meat for the grill. Uh, we wanted to have something fun for people to do in a hot summer in Florida. So we decided a slip and slide would be really sweet. Um, and, and, and so then we, like, we took it one step further and we're like, we could get this slip and slide or we could get this 50-foot tarp. And uh, <laughs> so we got the sweet tarp and like folded it over and it had sprinklers spraying on this huge tarp. And then we took it another step further and got some soap and like lathered it up. And uh, we just had this party ready. The meat was ready to go on the grill. Uh, there's party stuff. We had like fire firecrackers and stuff. And we had the slip and slide. And uh, it's party time. Six o'clock rolls around. And we're kind of looking at our watches like, Dude, where is everybody? I don't know. Did you call so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, I called. He said it was coming. He was like looking at our watches. 15 minutes passes. A half an hour passes. Um, 45 minutes passes. And just me and him. Finally, one other person shows up. And so then it's just the three of us just talking about like, well, isn't he coming? What about so-and-so? Aren't they coming? And we're looking at our watches. Man, where is everybody? I don't know. Man, where is everybody? I don't know. 
But dude, did you call so-and-so? Yeah, I did. And so then we start to call people, and we're like, man, are you coming to the party? And we're like, oh, sorry, I forgot. I didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see a movie. I'm like, oh, okay, call somebody else. Hey, aren't you coming to the party? He's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I, yeah, sorry, I can't make it. i got to wash my hair. And I just, <laughs> random excuses. And I just remember feeling so, I mean, this parable is really true, that, that feeling of, throwing a party, spending the money on the food, uh, setting up this massive slip and slide. And, and one per I think by the end of the night, like two people had shown. So it was like the four of us. And, and all we did was talk about how no one showed up. It was a lame party. Um, and just this feeling that, man, I really wanted to, to bless people. I bought all this stuff and this food, and, the, and yet they had other things to do. They didn't want to come for whatever reason. And this parable is about, uh, it's, it's about a king, but it's really a parable about God how he has this amazing life set for us and this amazing party in heaven. And, and a lot of us, you know, not us, because we're, you know, we're believers. We're going to enter into his kingdom. But so many people are like, yeah, I'm going to do something else. I don't really want to go with you, God. I know that you have set this all before me, that you are sovereign, you are all-powerful, and you have made life eternal, blessed us if we're just willing to choose it. And I see the kingdom of God like that, that, that God and all his sovereignty just sets us up, that it's our fate to know our Savior, that it's our fate to know our Creator. And at the same time, some of us non-Christians, non-believers choose to follow their own ways. And I want to tell you, just for, to remind you, that, that we believe, as Christians, we believe that if you, you feel like you've missed the boat, if you feel like you know, you've, you've made choices and you're not, following after God or you're thinking to yourself, man, do I need to clean up my life first before I go to God? Or do, do I need, is it still possible for me to follow God? And I, I want to say, yes, it's never too late to, to enter into your fate and your destiny, which is to love God and to be with him for all of eternity. Let's pray to him. Let's thank him for that. Jesus, we worship you right now, Father. God, we thank you for your sovereignty, that you are in all control, and that with your sovereignty, you've given us eternal life, that you have blessed us with an amazing heavenly banquet, a heavenly party for us. It's not going to be boring. It's not going to be silly. God, you have blessed us with that. You've, you've said that this is our destiny, to be with you for all of eternity. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the choice that you've made, that, that we can choose you. God, we thank you for that choice. That, that says we don't have to go to you. We're not robots that automatically just go to you. But you've sovereignly given us a choice to follow into our destinies. God, we thank you for that. We bless you with our lives. We bless you with the choices that we make. The choices of following after you hard, God. We want to follow you hard all the days of our life. So we do love you. We praise you. We leave here worshiping you, knowing that you are sovereign and that we can choose to follow you. We praise you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.